Welcome to the Forward 40 Podcast, where we highlight the experiences of 40 women of color on the rise in the nonprofit and social enterprise sectors. This is an ode to our foremothers, a healing circle of our unique experiences, and a bridge of insight and wisdom across generations. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Forward 40. I truly, truly feel like this is my color twin. Um, She resides in Baltimore, Maryland, the state where I (laughs) look forward to relocating eventually. Uh, And she is an echoing green fellow. She is the founder of Bond, Building Our Nation's Daughters, and also the Regional Leadership Development Director for Leaders for Educational Equity. And here we have Atira Griffin. So welcome, Atira. Hello. Hello, everyone. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, So I... I was drawn to your work. Um, I saw that, you know, you're Echoing Green Fellow and then just your your experience in education and specifically Mm -hmm. focusing on women and girls. It just really, really resonated with me, both for, you know, the mission of this platform, but then also just because of the work that I have been engaged in. And can you just tell us more about your journey to social entrepreneurship? And I know it's, you know, um, there's been like key pivots for you and Mm -hmm. what keeps you anchored in the work? Yeah, um, I always appreciate questions like this because I, I do believe that, you know, we're all on a journey and within a journey, we have our moments that can guide us and direct us along the way. And so when I was growing up as a little girl, I thought I was going to be a pediatric surgeon. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. And so I got to high school and had to dissect a pig and realized that was not for me. Um, and made a pivot toward engineering. And so I grew this love for the way things work. Mm-hmm. I love taking things apart and putting them back together and eventually went on to get my bachelor's in civil engineering. Wow. And so like roadways, buildings, um, parks, waterways, all of that um, falls under civil engineering. And I really loved it. Mm-hmm. And I had the opportunity to intern at NASA, and, wow. you know, do some, just like, right? Like, <laughs> had my first airplane uh, experience wow. when I was, like, 21. Um, and so, you know, that was life-changing, and I loved it, and I loved the research aspect of it. But when I actually started to practice engineering, I realized that there are specific parts of it that put you in a cubicle and um, kind of keep you in the office all day. Mm. And that was not... That was not something that really spoke to my soul. Um, so I started to do a little bit of soul searching. <laughs> what most people would not know about me is that I actually have, I've worked so many different uh, jobs and occupations that I can truly say I know what I want to do <laughs> or what I do not want to do. <laughs> I tried on every hat possible at that time. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, and I ended up teaching step with one of my um, my line sisters. I'm in a sorority. I'm a Delta. Thank you all my sororals out there. <laughs> and, um, and we taught step at an all-girl public charter school in Baltimore. And one of the things that I realized while I was there is that they, they needed support with their homework as well. Like before we would get started with step, we would also have some time for tutoring. And I just found myself falling in love with igniting their brains mm. with a, a passion for math. Mm. <laughs> so that is what brought me to the classroom. Wow. Um, that windy road took me into the classroom. Uh, and I stayed there for quite a while, for about six years, became dean of students. Um, and while I was dean of students, that's where we start to hit this nerve with this intersection of um, education and administration. 
and legislation. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was my first interaction with how policies and politics yeah. actually impact uh, the lives of our families and uh, our students, and in this case, little black girls mm-hmm. in Baltimore City. Um, and so I started to see a lot of the social emotional um, roadblocks and issues and, and struggles that our girls were having, and they would come to me and confide in me, which then also would bring in their moms. Mm-hmm. And so uh, this is where I started to have this this moment of something's not right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am not okay with it, and it needs to be fixed. Mm-hmm. And that's when I started to ask myself some questions about, okay, what are you going to do? Uh, what are you going to do about what you're seeing? Um, and that what really keeps me anchored in the work is not being a person that will sit by and see something that's wrong, a crack in the mm-hmm. wall, mm-hmm. and not come along with some shackles to fix it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I, I cannot be that person. So, you know, the moms, the daughters that I worked with at Bliss that are now, some of them, oh, my God, are about to graduate this year. Crazy. <laughs> congratulations to them <laughs> yes congratulations to them I mean these are my youngest babies they're getting out wow um, you know so keeping in contact with them as moms and daughters working with them in bond seeing their growth and development mm-hmm. seeing like moms go on to pursue higher education and both knowing that they don't have to question whether they yeah. belong in a college because they've seen it before they have that encouragement yes. from their their mom or their maternal figure from before is really what keeps me keeps yes. me going. Yes. Me Thank you. And I I just love the beauty of because we didn't talk about this before, uh, how, you know, like with your background in STEM and in engineering and, you know, like building, creating, how mm-hmm. that has translated to a different type of building uh, and mm-hmm. creation that is not necessarily STEM focused, but it's community focused uh, and people focused. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just a, a pointer for those out there that are wondering about, <laughs> you know, like, well, <laughs> is what I studied, you know, have, does that have to be the um, the area that I stay in for for my career? Um, it all finds its way to to really um, aligning itself. So long as mm-hmm. you 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 know you stay anchored and you stay true to um, what really fuels you. So yep. so thank you. Um, I you know when we were talking, um, I really appreciated the way that uh, you shared how you were able to build bond. Mm-hmm. And uh, your approach to making sure that it was very community centric and culturally specific. Uh, can mm-hmm. you just talk more about like what that entailed and why that was so important to you? That whole co-creation process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, and it still happens today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. You know, I, this is this is one of the cornerstones of Bond is that what we do involves our community. Our community, they're not just uh, stakeholders who come to participate in programming, but they shape programming. They shape the trajectory of our organization. And so it really started, like I mentioned before, with the girls coming into my office and like, telling me, you know, issues that they were facing. And one of my first questions was, well, have you talked to your mom about that? And mm. no. I can't talk to her. I don't have that kind of relationship. Or she's too busy. She has a lot on her plate already. Um, and then seeing the moms, and at this point in time, they were a majority single moms, about mm-hmm. 70% single moms at the school, coming to me and asking me, hey, can you help me communicate with my daughter? Mm-hmm. Can you help me uh, talk to my daughter? Can you help me like reach her? And then on top of that, asking, can you help me with my resume? Mm -hmm. Can you help me? Mm -hmm. Can you help me navigate this system, uh, get a housing voucher, get a housing voucher or or something of that nature? And, you know, when I saw that, I realized there was a gap. And so I I immediately, one thing I always tell people is if you see 
a gap in the system or a problem, do not automatically assume that you are the first person to see this. I did research first to figure out if there was something out there that would address uh, single mother-daughter relationships, specifically in the black community, because Baltimore City is a majority black, black city, city and it's yeah. also a majority black woman city. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I looked for that, and then I also looked for... Um, Supports that focus on mom, because we have a lot of supports that focus on on the girl and daughters, especially mm-hmm. in early childhood. Yeah. But I did not find anything that specifically focused on um, mom, single moms, and the single black mom. Mm-hmm. And like when that happened, the first person I went to to figure out, like, okay, well, what's missing in this relationship? How how was it that my mom was able to build, you know, a positive? We were we were normal. We got into our our tips was because mm-hmm. I was a teenager, mm-hmm. but you know, our positive relationship as I was growing up and how did she give me the opportunity to continue to grow and also pursue growth herself. And I went and talked to my mother first because I am not a mother. I'm the daughter of a single mother. Mm-hmm. And like, this is a thing that we see a lot in, in nonprofit development or organizational development is not going to the people who are actually closest to the pain, the people who had the lived experience, which I feel like is the highest value of experience you can have. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, and so went to her and got her feedback, her input, started to create a program with my mom. And then we actually had a brunch where we brought single mothers and daughters together from the Baltimore community Mm -hmm. to talk to them about their lived experiences. What did they want to see as a support? How would they structure a program? Mm-hmm. If we do this, like, what will you participate in? What, what has not been helpful to yeah. you? What do we not want to duplicate? Yes. And, you know, that's where that community-centric piece comes from, and it still exists in the way we run our programming today. We are always talking to our moms and daughters about what it is that they need as a support, how they would like to grow, and how we can continue to support them. And we're not going to try to uh, push a support in their face that they don't actually want or need. Correct, 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 correct. And I, I mean, I just love that you, when you share with me that, you know, you began to build this out with your mother. um, Mm -hmm. It's, it's kind of like on the continuum of what it is like for, and I'm quite sure, like, similar to my relationship with my mother, like you're still on a journey with your mother, but reflecting mm-hmm. on your experience um, and the positive aspects of it, like using that as a model to then like trace it back to the key points um, that helped to uh, garner the relationship that you have with her to then impart that on uh, the young, young women, um, the single mothers and, um, and, and their daughters. Mm-hmm. Um, now I like, there's, there are organizations that are that exist that are mm-hmm. either focused on um, young black boys um, mm-hmm. and you know the the absence of um, a, a father figure um, or just like cultivating particular interests um, and, mm-hmm. and access points and then similarly for young girls and young black girls specifically. Um, that there's longer standing organizations that may, um, could critique and say, well, we already do this, right? Or we, we have this after school program or we don't, uh, another thing, we don't have the capacity to do that. Like this is our, Mm -hmm. our point of entry. Like what would you say to, you know, that, that kind of critique of either Mm -hmm. we don't have the capacity to do that or we're already addressing that and Mm -hmm. it's already being fulfilled. Yeah. Um, the the capacity piece, right, I get it, right? That's what we hear a lot from the schools mm-hmm. um, and from a lot of the communities. And it's like, we don't have the capacity to do that. Great. Bring us in. Mm-hmm. Plain and simple. We are here. We are here to partner. We are here to collaborate. We are part of a community. Um, not, no one entity is going to solve all of the problems that we face in our community. Mm-hmm. And that's why I bond is so specific about who we serve because we know where we stand. We know our mm. lane. And, and we're going to be in our lane. And when there's an opportunity to partner to fill a gap, 
that someone else may have capacity-wise or program-wise, we are happy to step in. Mm-hmm. Same way, if there's a gap that we have that we know in our lane we do not do, we have partners mm-hmm. that we refer out to because that's what a good nonprofit does. That's what a good organization does that's really concerned about meeting their mission versus hoarding their participants. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that's deep, that's deep. <laughs> Got to keep it, got to keep it all the way real. <laughs> I know what it's like out here. <laughs> and, and, you know, and so to the opposite side of that, of the, we're already doing that. No, you're not. <laughs> I was, I, I was <laughs> like, going to say, I'm, are I'm, you though? <laughs> you know, let's be real. No, no, and no, we're not. So the way that bond works is that we address social emotional needs mental health and wellness needs, economic mobility needs, and educational attainment needs of single black mothers. We actually work in a two-gen process with single black moms who have daughters who are in grades five through 12. We pick up the stick where most programs leave off because when you hit grade five, girl is changing okay yes, yes, <laughs> daughter yes, is changing and yes. she's turning somebody different yes <laughs> and we need a different type of program <laughs> so, so you know we're happy to take them those were my babies when i taught you know nobody wanted the middle school girl i take them um <laughs> so you know we pick up we pick up that stick after early childhood education programs are ready to pass them off and that's perfectly fine um is there real authentic two-gen work being done for middle school and high school girls? No, there's not. Mm. Um, it is most likely only focused on the girl, or if it's focused on mom, it is transactional. Mm. It is what can we give you so you can go away. It is not let me sit with you and have the patience to walk you through a process that if I'm coming from my own point of privilege, I think you should know in the first place. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's also not seeing single mom as the asset. Our view is that in a single mother household, the single mom is the asset. She is the biggest point of priority in that household because once you talk to her, you equip her with the skills and the tools and the resources to get to where she needs to go. She changes the whole trajectory of that household. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. You know, and so mentoring programs that are out there that focus on young black women, keep doing that. Because we do need you. We need you so that you can come in when mom is ready to hand off the order and say she's going to a level mm-hmm. where I want to see her excel. And so I want you to support her in this. Because now mom is playing an active role in selecting you yes. and partnering with you as a mentor for her daughter, not as a replacement. Mm-hmm. And the programs that focus on young black men, we need you too. And the programs that focus on fathers, we absolutely need y'all. We are just saying that we know for us, this is our focus. Mm. It doesn't always have to be either or. It can be a both and. But you have to recognize what it is that you do specifically, how to partner well with other organizations. And then that Um, point that you mentioned, don't hoard. (laughs) That is so, that's so real. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, And also recognizing... That yes, there may be multiple needs here, but mm-hmm. where, what is the the lane that is going to make the most impact for what you are able and capable of doing, versus exactly. trying to be the answer and savior for for everything mm-hmm. and everyone. Um, mm-hmm. That's that's great. Um, so, like right now, where it's it's tough. Like, like you mentioned, um, you have a, a generation of babies that are about to graduate, um, mm-hmm. from high school and, uh, you know, parents are either out of work or mm-hmm. ha- are being asked to work from home and readjusting to distance learning, uh, for, mm-hmm. for their children. What are some advantages to like this particular time with mother-daughter bonds and, um, you know, with physical space being limiting and time seeing 
endless and like and also like it's escaping us <laughs> and you know and time being a very critical point like what mm-hmm. um what do you see as an advantage and how are you adjusting uh to just the the shift in in your programming mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um i talked about the shift first and then the advantage is second so of course like many other organizations we've had to move our work to completely virtual spaces uh, and recognizing that that comes with a privilege as well, right? Mm-hmm. And so I want to address the fact that not all of our moms have uh, connectivity in yes. their areas. So some of them, because they want the program, they will try to locate themselves in a space in their house mm-hmm. that they know gets a good signal. Mm-hmm. They will go to their cars. And I've, I've had to talk to them about that, like, hey, that may not be the safest thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but Mm-hmm. Let's figure out a way if I can get you like a different kind of route or if we can get you a little Wi-Fi, um, a private Wi-Fi in your house so that you can connect, not just the bond, but so that the girls can do their work as well because it's important. Yes. Um, so like those are some of the ways that we've had to adjust. Also, just supporting our moms and daughters and understanding how do, how do we use Zoom? How do we use Google Hangouts? Like what what is mm-hmm. this way that we're communicating now on or Facebook, which we weren't doing, we were doing, but not as high Correct. touch as we are now, Correct. you know, it's, it's like constant. Um, and so in addition to that, we've also had to increase the amount of time we meet a week. Mm. We, right, we used to, people wouldn't, we don't think about how because it's virtual, we feel like it's a little less personal, like we need more touch points. Yeah when yeah. we're living more in a virtual world. Yeah. Um, and so we meet now once a week via Zoom for two hours versus twice a month. Mm. One time would have been at the school, one time would have been in the community. And we also have like extra touch points where we have live chats on Thursdays on Facebook. We have uh, social media interaction throughout the week that they can participate in. We have lunch bunches with moms and daughters on Wednesdays. So it's like a constant thing where we're creating these spaces for community because that was the biggest thing that our moms and daughters said that they loved about being a part of Bond is that they had community with other single moms and daughters. Mm -hmm. You know, and so I think the advantage that I am seeing is that as time has progressed and we've all, we've all come down from our, um, I kind of like anxious mm-hmm, moment mm-hmm, in the mm-hmm. beginning, you know, we've come down from the fight or flight a bit. There's now more time to think and be intentional about how we use the time. Yeah. Um, and so we just have more time to support our moms and daughters in communication, more time to talk to them about goals and progress. Um, they have more time to talk to each other. So we've been able to implement more weekly um, restorative circle practices that they take and utilize mm-hmm. in their home when they're not in Zoom. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've, you know, they've been able to plant <laughs> some plants and use nice. the plant as a, as a gathering space. So, you know, it provides the opportunity, like you said, for more time to have more touch points, which were some of the goals that our moms and daughters had was to spend more time together and to be creative with how they spend their time together. That's um, so, so, we've that's taken so advantage great. Of that. You know, um, mm-hmm. because like, as you mentioned, the, the nature of the work was very much in person um, mm-hmm. and high touch in that way. And mm-hmm. you've, amped it up a bit so that it can be, you know, um, more communication uh, so that they're still Mm -hmm. feeling that level of engagement. And now they're having like more intimate time with each other that is different from, you know, Mm -hmm. being out in the community. Um, It's it's now happening at home, which is, which is beautiful, you know, um, Mm -hmm. that the building is continuing at home and now with more, um, like with a deeper level of in, engagement mm-hmm. and accountability. That's mm-hmm. great. That's really great. Exactly. And I want to say too, like this is also uh, 50% of our moms are frontline workers. So mm-hmm. 
Like this is also served as a space where we get to process the day, we get to yeah. process the events, and we've had three of our families lose someone to COVID nineteen, and you know, wow. we've also had to work with, through grief and and loss and process that yeah. together. So we've we've been able to meet the needs of our community through the fact that one we are community led mm-hmm. and flexible in understanding what our needs are at this point in time because we are living a lot of us in the same same types of spaces and so you know I also want to say that for any moms who are out there who's like well I'm not home all day mm-hmm. 50% mm-hmm. of our moms are not either and yeah. <laughs> they are right on the front lines for social workers healthcare workers uh, you know delivery service folks so yeah wow wow thank you thank you for for pointing out that um uh... The, the relevancy of um, mm-hmm. just the moment, but then also um, their position within what's going on right now. Um, mm-hmm. And then also managing uh, to show up as a mother yeah. and also, you know, like working on that relationship to be a confidant uh, for, for their daughters. That's mm-hmm. thank you. Thank you. I was wondering about like that time where you were, I mean, you're still, you're still an educator, uh, but when you were in the school, when you were like in the school all day and you were coming in contact with the young women, um, like if you could think back to like that one student, cause we tend to, especially if you're an educator and you've worked directly with students mm-hmm. like, uh, there's kind of like that one student that sticks out to you as um, and kind of like pulls you to want to be that change to provide a solution for them. Um, like thinking about that student and seeing the progress that you have made since the start of Bond, what would you say to her? Uh, so that she's able to hold on to hope. I would. It wouldn't be. It wouldn't be words. It would actually be a little activity that I would. Mm. I would walk her through. Um, I would sit down with her and tell her, like, one. I know you. You see me, and you think. Look at Miss Griffin. Mm. She, you know, she has her life. She's out here living, she doesn't have a worry in the world. Um, she probably never had to deal with any any struggles, anything tough. Because you see me now. I said, what you don't get to see is where I came from and how I got to this point. And even when I was going through things when I was younger, I didn't know where I would end up mm-hmm. and I didn't have the ability to look forward to see how I would feel looking back, overcoming those things. And so I would sit her down and say, we're going to do something together. We're going to write down in one column the the toughest things we've ever had to face in our life. And then the other column, we're going to write down the happiest moments we've experienced so far. And in doing that, I would walk her through mine and she would feel comfortable after that probably because I would have a long list sharing sharing with me. And I would show her and say, so you see how on my list, I have have quite a bit of struggles. Mm -hmm. But at this point in my life, my joyous moments are outweighing my struggles. Mm -hmm. And I would tell her, you'll get that too. Mm -hmm. You'll get that too. I mean, I just felt like I was going through that process with you. <laughs> I was like, okay, what's going to be on this side of the paper for uh-huh, me? Uh-huh. I was I really, really... <laughs> Oh my goodness. Wow. That's, I, I, I really, really appreciate that. and love that. Um, that was helpful for me even. Cause I was just like, wow. Yeah, that really did happen. Um, and then yeah. sometimes like when you are that age, um, mm-hmm. especially just with development and emotional development, social development, 
brain development, even though, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, um, girls, you know, develop the brain develops much faster, um, than oh, yeah. the boys. Uh, but still there are things that at that point in your life, you believe mm-hmm. are so just like, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, like that person, you know, that didn't call you back or, oh, my uh, I mean, you think that it's the end of the world <laughs> at that point mm-hmm. in your life. And then just as you get older, like, that's just like a, I just know, like just the other day, um, I found myself on Facebook and I, I give myself a limit whenever I'm on social media. And yeah. I, f- I felt like it was like a rabbit hole. And I was just like, wait, I don't even remember that person. Oh, wait, <laughs> that, like, what's their name again? Like, and these were people that at that point in my life, it, mm-hmm. they, it, it seemed like they had a place of importance, right? Or like they, yeah. they, uh, they, they mattered. And I mean, I, yeah, they did matter, but it, there were just certain things that made them out to be so much more bigger. Um, and, yeah. and now looking back, it's just like, I can't even remember your name. Uh, but at that point in my life, it really seemed as though that was something that was so, uh, big or tumultuous and, and it wasn't. And then there are those key critical things like, um, the mm-hmm. loss of a loved one, um, trauma mm-hmm. that are, that are real, that, um, definitely takes time to, mm-hmm. to just, mm, to deal with, to manage, to overcome. Um, and that's also just great, uh, to, to reflect on even as adults. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, because Mm -hmm. yeah, there's, there's a lot to, to be grateful for. I had this, uh, practice. It's so funny being in the house for so long. You start to go through all your journals. I don't know if anybody watches Saturday Night Live out there, but they did did a segment about (laughs) 80 going through her, her childhood journals. <laughs> oh my gosh. It did not turn out so well for her. <laughs> but I don't have my childhood journals. I have my adulthood journals. Mm. And uh, every year, honestly, before my birthday, I start to go through journals that I've kept. And every year I throw one out because it's like one that'll show itself. It's like, oh, you know what? Um, I can let this go. Yes. If yes. I don't need to, you know, keep these words yes. in my house anymore. I don't need yes. to keep this energy that's in this journal. Yes. Um, but I love reading them because it really does open my eyes to, oh my gosh, this is like three years ago, but yes. I'm not that <laughs> anymore. Exactly. How? How did I say it so much? <laughs> yes. And what was I going through? Yes. Right. Like, I wrote that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Oh my goodness, yes. <laughs> oh boy. Um, so uh, we were when we had our intro call. Um, we we were vibing um, and really getting deep into just like the larger systems that are at play um, that are fueling generational cycles of poverty, of lack, mm-hmm. um, dependency, um, and specifically, you know, social services. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned, you know, disrupting that, that space. Um, and I completely stand with you, <laughs> uh, <laughs> with that, you know, because I, I was even recalling like most social service agencies, they just, even the physical, like the infrastructure mm-hmm. is it, not even conducive to anyone feeling positive about themselves. Like if a person is already, <laughs> you know, feeling, um, down and out and, hopeless is like to walk into the mm-hmm. walls it's just like it just further exasperates it it's just ridiculous um so can you just share more about why this disruption um is key to breaking mm-hmm. those generational cycles and what you 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 reimagine for for the work Absolutely. um and this is something i love to talk about one because it's something I experienced, right? So growing up, 
we had in, in Baltimore, we have this thing where we call locations by the name of the street that it's on. I know there had to be other cities out there that do it too, but we'll do it no matter how many different buildings we're calling the same street name. Oh. And so, <laughs> <laughs> and we still know what we mean when we say it. Wow. So, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's deep. So City, City Schools is on North Avenue. And if you go into City Schools headquarters, you call it North Avenue. Hmm. But there's also a Department of Social Services on North Avenue. So you call that North Avenue as well. Huh. And so I used to go to North Avenue Department of Social Services when I was young with my mom. And one, I always realized she hated, she hated going there, plain and simple. She hated going there. Um, at this time, we were receiving uh, temporary cash assistance support and uh, food stamp support for the independence card back in the day. Hmm. And, you know, she hated going there. She would always try to find clothes that made her, hmm. I, I don't know how to put like not stand out. Hmm. Um, the the trabbiest colors you could expect to wear because one, she didn't want to be seen as someone who didn't need the services that she was applying for based on the fact that she was going to wear some color that day, hmm. um, which is which is interesting because when you walk in the building, the building itself is also low lit, so the lighting yeah. is not good. It's that yellow fluorescent light that mm-hmm. is horrible. It has a horrible stain on everything. <laughs> um, <laughs> like The walls were this terrible like greenish color the chairs were old you know and even the way that people talk to you like they didn't even look you in your eyes they're looking at whatever paperwork you just gave them so you know the the human part the human part the humanity (laughs) that we should be recognizing in each person that's receiving these services it's just lost Mm. um you start to feel like you don't deserve support or you don't deserve to excel. Yes. Um, you know, like less of a person, mm-hmm. just a number or an application and nothing you do will ever get you out of this situation. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. I remember feeling that. As, even as a kid, I remember feeling the amount of heaviness and weight, depression, rejection, um, in the room whenever we would have to go to social services. Um, and so thinking about that, I know for a fact it's still that way. One. Two, not only is it that way physically, but systemically, when you look at the actual system itself, it's created to keep people in a cycle. Mm-hmm. Not created to produce uh, progress and growth within a person and within a family. Um, even to qualify to receive assistance, you pretty much have to be um, on your last leg. Mm-hmm. You cannot work more than mm-hmm. a certain amount of hours in a week to get cash assistance or food stamps. Yes. So hello yes. to all my college kids out there who have been trying and haven't been able to get food assistance it's because you work too many hours on your work study. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that means you're going to look for jobs that have less hours, which means you get less pay, which means you have a, a lower ability to accumulate any kind of money to push yourself out of dependency on the system. Correct. You know, and so in thinking about that, it's also this blockage of knowledge. So there are pieces of social services, and when I talk about social services now, I'm talking about um, tennis, I'm talking about SNAP assistance, I'm talking about TPA, temporary cash assistance, I'm also talking about housing vouchers um, and workforce development programs. So in the housing authority system or HUD, there are programs that exist that are supposed to support people with transportation to get to work, um, access to career development, uh, within the local university system, community colleges, but also in saving money to move out of housing development or dependency on vouchers. So every single person who lives in a housing development that pays their rent in time every month actually has money if they ask to be enrolled in this program Mm. that can go into an escrow account that is saved for them to be able to move and purchase a home 
within three years, they're eligible to do that. And purchase? And purchase. <laughs> How many of us know this, right? So when we're not sharing these opportunities openly with housing development um, residents, with folks who are in workforce development, with folks who are receiving CPA or SNAP or TANF, we're blocking them from from actually taking the ownership over their lives to progress out of the system. Yes, yes. Instead of being cycled through. Mm, so mm. that's why, like, Vaughn, one of its main goals is economic mobility. And the way we do that is first by working with mom and daughters. We have two generations now, so we're going to re- reduce that knowledge gap that's there. Mom may not know something. Daughter may not know something. Guess what? Y'all will learn at the same time. At the same time. Learn <laughs> same time. You want to learn a day. <laughs> so, so you learn financial health, uh, stability, and literacy together. Savings, investments, home ownership, checking, all of that. Everything yes. together, budgeting. And then once you learn that together, it's a year-long course. You have a certificate now that says, I know how to manage my money, mom. Mm-hmm. And I also am keeping these skills to continue to remind my daughter of how to do this as well as she continues to grow. And she's learned those skills with me. She's going to want to apply them, especially when she sees mom trying to apply them too. And so once she does that, partnering in areas to help our moms become homeowners Mm -hmm. within two to three years after doing that program, they need some time to make sure like their finances are stable, they're in a place that they want to, they're ready and they want to buy a home, we're able to find a location and all of the things that need to happen in between, which also includes like emotional work because we have emotional ties. Absolutely. Too. Yes. Oh, yeah. Look. Hmm. And so <laughs> mom is now able to sow into a legacy of home ownership and we have land ownership layered underneath of that so that there's a legacy in the family of doing this. So now we've disrupted a cycle, right? That's not happening in social services. If mom is on SNAP or TANF for receiving mm. housing vouchers, mm-hmm. daughter's going to do it too because that's the knowledge that they're coming from. Exactly. And, and that's what they're we witnessing. Got the next and seeing. And the next. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I, I truly commend you for the work that you're doing because, um, like it just like the light bulb went off as you were talking about, um, you know, like the financial health aspect of it and mm-hmm. also like just asset um, building in home ownership, land ownership. These are not conversations mm-hmm. that as a culture, as a community right. are happening often enough and early enough. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I mean, now, you know, there's there's been a wave over the past decade or so. Right where mm-hmm. um, people are becoming more attuned to home ownership and, you know, mm-hmm. flipping homes and so on and so forth and financial literacy. Um, but it's like, at what point are you, mm-hmm. what point in your life are you learning this? And it's the, the reality is a lot of us learning it in our adulthood. Right. <laughs> and exactly. the fact that you are doing it um, in a way that it is penetrating two generations at the same time. It's just, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I commend you. And also your mom <laughs> for lending <laughs> her insight and wisdom um, no. to just the, the creation of this. That's just amazing. Amazing. Yeah. She, she's been on a ride with me. My mom always tells me that uh, our life is like a, a roller coaster. It's an adventure for sure. <laughs> I mean, Any, anything that I'm doing, I'm taking, I'm taking her along. That's right. Mom, that's right. You know, that's right. She gave mom. a lot to me and my brother. She sacrificed a lot um, for us, and you know, delayed pieces in her education, mm-hmm. delayed opportunities that she had for us. And I always just want to make sure whatever room I'm stepping in, you know, I bring my people with me. That's right. One of my first people I'm bringing with me is my, my mom. mom. I know. I wouldn't right. be here. <laughs> Me too, girl. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not apologizing for that. <laughs> no. Oh, my goodness. Um, 
So in addition to this work that you're doing with Bond, you also got a full-time job, girl. I mean, you, you got a lot going on. Um, <laughs> you started a podcast, right, uh, with fellow organizers, women of color. And um, I just wanted you to just share more about, like, how that came to be. And just in this in this time where in the... It's, it's now in the corporate sector as well, but, you know, like mm-hmm. in the social impact nonprofit space, there's a lot of talk about people of color. And now it's mm-hmm. very trendy for women of color. And you and I spoke about, um, you know, there's an intentionality with it in terms of like coalition building and mm-hmm. collective work. And then there's also... Um, attempts to either whitewash or overgeneralize. Mm-hmm. So um, mm-hmm. just wanted you to just share more about how your work came to be uh, with the podcast and your colleagues and um, what have you found in this, in, in that work to be lost in overgeneralizing and also mm-hmm. like a, a gain when we're able to do consensus building. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, this is this is a topic I can talk about all day long. <laughs> um, one of, one of my one of my passions is in life is like one I've always been very uh, focused on like women's issues, right? Mm-hmm. And I've always taken the time to learn more about different sex of women, uh, different types of women, ethnicities, um, gender identity, even. Um, down the course of the line. And so when we talk about women of color, I get, I, I perk up because it's like, look, we have some things in common and then we have some things that are very, very different. Mm-hmm. And it is okay to recognize both of them. Yes. And I think society has a hard time doing that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I have a podcast um, with my fellow co-hosts and it's called Point of Hue Podcast because it's coming from our point of hue, mm-hmm. colors of our skin. And, Love it. um, <laughs> yeah, gotta be cheeky. And, um, you know, I identify as a black woman. Um, and we also talk about like religious aspects of our mm. lives on the show too. And so mm. I identify as a black woman who's Christian. Um, one of my other co-hosts, uh, Natasha, she identifies as a Latina who is agnostic. And then we have Salima who is, uh, Indian and she is Muslim. Mm. And so, like, yeah, we got a lot of nice little yeah. <laughs> like areas of sameness, but areas of a lot of difference. Like, yes, we all identify as women. Yes, we are all women of color. Mm-hmm. You see, it's like we're all varying shades of different types of brown. Mm-hmm. Um, but within that, in society, we're seen in different ways depending upon like what day it is. Yes. And yeah. <laughs> Um, what, the way this came about is that we, we're organizers. So we work together in Baltimore City. We organized around educational equity. Um, we fought for $130 million to be put back in the Baltimore City school budget, uh, a couple years ago wow. to ensure that our kids look, they better give us that money. Our kids had equitable mm, education. Yeah. We are still fighting. Kerwin Commission has to be signed and put into law um, to change the, the law for educational uh, funding formula in Maryland for the past 10 years. And so, mm-hmm. like, being in rooms like that, in organizing, organizers, it depends, uh, but organizers, it tends to skew toward, and especially in education, toward women. However, what we notice in, <laughs> in some spaces is that male voices, of course, get a lot more attention than women and when we are working and organizing we're also working with elected officials and so we're sitting in rooms with a lot of elected officials who tend to be men uh and we would give a lot of side eyes to each other during these meetings like did you did you just hear what he just said mm-hmm. did he really just said out his mouth or did that just really happen and so we would have to have these meetings after the meeting and i know about from those that, <laughs> look because they happen all the time. And if you aren't there, you are not invited. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you might be the topic. After the meeting. And we were having these conversations and some of our colleagues would be there. And they'd say, you know, this is a really good conversation. Y'all should record it. 
I love to talk and always want to have a podcast. Um, and so Salima and I started it and then Natasha joined us later and, um, we've been, we've been going ever since, ever since then. Um, but to talk about, you know, this term people of color and women of color, right? Mm-hmm. And so in my day job, working, working <laughs> as a facilitator, um, we have affinity spaces where we bring people of color together and where we bring women together. Right. Mm. And, and so in the people of color space, we also always still have to have extra affinity breakout groups because just because society has lumped us together as um, folks who are non-white mm-hmm, mm-hmm. does not mean that our experiences are all the same. Correct. Um, so using using our pandemic right now as an example, when we first started talking about what community was being most impacted by the pandemic, it was first said that the black community was being heavily impacted by the amount of infections and death mm-hmm. in our mm-hmm. community. Very clear. After a while, you start to hear the Latinx and black community is being heavily impacted. But no specifics on how, just being heavily impacted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then it turns into people of color are being heavily impacted by the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So like mm-hmm. this is a great example of just trying to, literally trying to, to wash over Correct. all of our different experiences that are all valid and all real and all painful during this pandemic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the black community is experiencing the most deaths and the most infections. That's clear. We know that. It is true. It is proven by data. That's our experience. Do not invalidate that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The Latinx community is experiencing a disproportionate amount of attention from ICE, um, deportations, yes. and also being um, further isolated as a community. Mm-hmm. That's a part of their experience right now because of the pandemic. We're not talking about how ICE is still functioning. Mm-hmm. Why are they still functioning? Why are they targeting the, the Latinx community and trying to continue to deport people or keep people housed in um, some of these, what folks had called concentration camps, but mm-hmm. some of these uh, spaces where they tried to house you before they deport you out of the country. Yep. And they're being housed there with further infection Correct. without Correct. being tested. Correct. Like, that's a problem. And that is a problem that's very specific to the Latinx community, and we need to talk about it, right? Mm-hmm. And then when we talk about our Asian community, our Asian community is receiving uh, attacks that are xenophobic and racist right now being blamed for the pandemic when they're doing a lot of work here in the country to help support us to move forward like everybody else. Mm-hmm. So that's their specific experience. But when you lump us all together and say people of color, now we don't know who's experiencing what. (laughs) (laughs) We can't pinpoint who we need to help with what. And they start to create this this irritation of infighting about the oppression Olympics. Like, well, my experience is worse than yours. All of our experiences are bad. (laughs) Let's be clear. And it should not be happening. And we shouldn't be fighting against each other. We should be pushing the system to do the job that it needs to do, the government officials to do the job that exactly. needs to do, to support everyone. Exactly, 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 exactly. Thank you so much for speaking to that. Um, I like Even when I started this platform, I really, it was my intention. Um, and also I called it out. Like we have unique experiences and then we also have shared mm-hmm. experiences, right? And sharing those experiences and being real <laughs> about uh, the differences and then also the areas where it's like, okay, there's some similarities here are very, very important. Mm-hmm. Even when I have been following, um, I've been doing my best to be unplugged. Um, but when I have you know, <laughs> seen, you know, reports and stuff like that, it's just like, okay, come on now. Like now it's just... It, it's to the point that you lose a sense of um, that uniqueness that is very mm-hmm. specific 
to mm-hmm. the black experience. And even when you're talking about the black mm-hmm. experience, it's like, okay, well, are you talking about the Caribbean experience here? Are you talking right. about the African American experience? Like we can like Look. we can go there, right? Um <laughs> Look, it's not the same, okay? <laughs> so, um, I, I, I get the, and I respect the, um, the intention behind elevating, like, okay, as a, as a group, right? As a collective, mm-hmm. these mm-hmm. are shared issues that we have, and let's mm-hmm. coalesce and really move the work forward so that we can all benefit. Right. But then there are those pieces that are just very targeted and very, um, mm-hmm. very unique to our experience in this country mm-hmm. and just in the world. Um, and they also still need to be validated and addressed. So just thank no. you <laughs> for being so explicit no. about it. <laughs> no problem. And it's like, we, we need to recognize that we need to also as people of color, in that group, when, when we want to come together as that collective and women of color, mm-hmm. we need to understand when it's time to be an ally, right? Mm-hmm. And so I know if we're talking about immigration issues, it's time for me to be an ally. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't have that experience. I can't speak to that experience. I'm not going to be standing up there in front of a mic talking. But what I will do is make sure that I educate people on that experience mm-hmm. from what I have been told from someone who actually lived it. Mm-hmm. I give them materials to help them understand it. Or yes. I step back from the mic and make sure the mic goes to the right person to talk about their lived experience. Um, and I don't stand by and allow someone to, to disparage a community that I need to be a good ally for. And mm-hmm. it should be vice versa. Absolutely. So, like, that's the thing I've recognized. And I think... Um, on the podcast, when we talk about different things we've gone through, because we do take time to talk about, like, well, my unique experience is, like, this mm-hmm. is what I went through, mm-hmm. and get, like, real reactions from folks who are not necessarily a part of that specific community. Like, my co-hosts are not black women. I can talk about something that happened to me that's very specific to a black woman experience, mm-hmm. and they then show their allyship in how we respond to it and what yes. we say about it. Mm-hmm. You know? Yes. Thank you, thank you, thank you um, for mm-hmm. also creating a space um, where we're having these conversations, where we're highlighting um, the things that, you know, make us so resilient, make us so mm-hmm. um, just who we are as a culture, and then also the, mm-hmm. the uniqueness. I appreciate that. Um so as I mentioned earlier, right, like you're an educator, you're an organizer, mm-hmm. you have your own <laughs> nonprofit, <laughs> social entrepreneur, like how do you manage it all? And what have you learned the most about your leadership and mission critical work? Um, managing it is a, a daily and a monthly thing. Okay. Um, I'm going to say that. So because I'm human, right? So, <laughs> I, I do take time. Scheduling is key for me. Managing um, tasks is key for me to have, like, a schedule and a task list and being able to set big picture goals and whittling it down to objectives and then tasks and so I can be action-oriented to meet my goals um, is how, how I manage. I think that what I've learned most about my leadership is that, and this is hilarious, um, so like when I'm at the wheel, because you can lead from different places. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm at the wheel, so for instance, with Bond, I'm CEO. I'm at the wheel. I'm driving this thing. Um, I know that in that seat, I'm the visionary. And so as a visionary, there are certain things that are very specific to me carrying out. But I've also learned that there are things that I need to let go and help and support my staff in being able to grow in their ability to lead from their feet. I think that is the biggest lesson I have learned. Um, we had our first staff members last year and I was so used to running everything that I had to recognize. I have folks who not only are ready and willing, but are highly capable 
of taking those tasks on and, and driving it forward as long as I just give them a clear picture of what the vision is. Yes, 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 yes. And that you're also comfortable within your own skin and leadership to allow mm-hmm. for that to mm-hmm. to manifest for mm-hmm. sure. Thank you. And then leaders create other leaders. Mm-hmm. So if you're not <laughs> creating an agency, a space of agency within the folks that you work with, for them to feel like they are leading their work, mm-hmm. you might need to check on your own leadership leader. Like, check your sympathy. Yes. Yes and yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I am so big on... You know, just because you have a title does not mean that you are a leader. Just because mm-hmm. you are in a position to, quote unquote, manage people does not mean that you are an effective manager. Um, wow. So thank you <laughs> so much <laughs> for speaking to no that. Problem. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, Atira, uh, we close with a tea affirmation. And um, it has just been a true pleasure to get to know you, to hear more about your journey and your work. Mm-hmm. Um, and what will be your tea affirmation for our listeners? So I have been reading, been reading the book Acts of Faith, Daily Meditations for People of Color. You, by I, 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 I said at the top of this that this is my color twin, like, there, there, there are multi, there are multiple. I, I, I mean, we did, we did not rehearse this, y'all. Like no. <laughs> every day, every acts of faith, every day. Okay, I'm, I'm not gonna take, I'm not gonna steal your thunder. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> of course, you know this is by Jan Van Zandt, uh, and I am going to read the affirmation list actually from the 25th because it touched me. Today. Okay, okay, and it says. Fewness of words, greatness of deeds mm. by Abdul Baha. Mm. What are you waiting for? With all you say you want, there is a dream for you to follow, a goal for you to set, a plan for you to make, a project for you to begin, an idea for you to act on, a possibility for you to explore, an opportunity for you to grab, a choice for you to make. If not, you shouldn't have anything to talk about. Mm. Today, I will make it my business to say less and do more. I know that's right. <laughs> I remember. I remember. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for that. I remember when I read that on the twenty fifth. I said, "Ooh, I needed that spirit yeah. check." <laughs> <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, so how do people stay in touch with the work that you're doing? How do they stay in touch with you and support the work? Absolutely. Um, so I'm on all the socials. <laughs> all, of them. all the socials. All, look, all the socials. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Uh, Atira Griffin. A-T-E-I-R-A, Griffin, G-R-I-F-F-I-N. And you can also, so feel free to follow me. I'm super social. I'll follow you back. I'm not one of those people. And uh, you can also follow Bond on Facebook uh, at Build Mother Daughter Bond. We, um, we host a lot of things live on Facebook and do a lot of chats. So follow us there. On Instagram, it's at mdb.o.n.d. Mm. I know. Somebody took our, our handle. We got to change it. But <laughs> that's it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> um, and so you can follow us there. We put a lot of tips, uh, like financial tips, recipes, resources on Instagram. That's our space for that. And we're also on YouTube. We have wow. launched our YouTube channel. Very, Very nice. exciting. Very nice. <laughs> yes. And so we put up videos uh, that recap our mom, our live mom chat that we have on Facebook. They go there. We also have a little segment with me and my mother doing eight-minute DIYs. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm going to tune in. I'm going to look. <laughs> yes. Who 
always do. Um, moisturizing hand sanitizer was our last video. <laughs> Brown sugar body scrub is coming up next. So if y'all okay. want that body polisher, <laughs> it's a good one. <laughs> and, okay. and on YouTube, we're M as in mother, D as in daughter, Bond. Really easy to find. Love it. Love it. Thank you oh, so, so much. And our website. Oh, yeah. What's the website? Because there's so many things. <laughs> so our website is www.amazonmother, D is in daughter, bond.org. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, this yeah. woman is all the way involved <laughs> and, and leading gracefully um, and very, very humble um, and truly, mm-hmm. truly um, relatable um, and and has a heart for this work. So Atira, I thank you so much just for lending your voice uh, and sharing more about your journey with the audience and being one of our 40. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm so excited to be a part of the 40 and thanks for having me on the show. You're welcome. Until we connect again, sip, sis, say la, share, and continue to serve.